So we're back with another review of the year, but this time we're doing telly. We did film in our last podcast. We did the top 10 films of 2020, but now we're turning our attention to the small screen to see what we... I mean, we what? I was about to say to see what we watched this year, but we watched so much. I'm really intrigued as to what's going to be on your list. Likewise, um, with the films, there wasn't a lot of crossover. Mm. Um, I think there was only one film that was on both our lists. Yeah, Parasite. Because you erroneously claimed that you hadn't seen ten films all year, which you <laughs> yeah, had. I know I had. You later, you later looked into the number of films that I'd seen this year, and indeed I had seen more than about eight. So we're going to do it the same way. We both mm-hmm. got ten, and we're only going to talk about it when it's been on both our lists. Yeah. So if I say Fort Salem is at number ten, <laughs> and we won't talk about it until we get to it on your list, which I know it's going to be like top two maybe oh, Fort course. Salem yeah yeah absolutely what a wonderful show loved it <laughs> and there's going to be some things that I don't think are on your list so I'll blast through them as quickly as I can I think we're gonna try to you just be surprised <laughs> yeah I might be um I think we're gonna try and just keep it light and and try and get through as much as we can and not not sort of hang on to things too much if you want to listen to our review of the shows then you can go back through our back catalogue and uh and see what we said at the time yeah and everything's labeled isn't it yeah every episode has the titles of the shows that we reviewed on so yeah be able to go back and have a look and and find them there absolutely and i timestamp everything so that's helpful (laughs) your organization (laughs) finally pays off absolutely do you want to go first or do you want me to go uh, I'll you, go first. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna offer it to me. No. Mm. no. My number ten. Yes. And I suspect this isn't on your list, nor anyone's list. All right. Is run. No, it is not on my list. It might have been if it hadn't have completely and utterly gone off the wall at the end and completely lost it. What a great show! It had such. We were so into it, weren't we? And mm. then, it, for me, it just lost it. it how, had, how is it number 10 for you? It had an amazing pilot. Merritt Weaver and Donald Gleeson. The chemistry between them was brilliant. A brilliant... Oh, you, that was a little face that you pulled there. Oh, no, it wasn't, honestly. I, was, I think I was just thinking. <laughs> and I totally agree. The chemistry yeah. was brilliant. Brilliant premise. Uh, everyone hated the ending. Yeah. I agree. was all right with the ending. I think it just went too far. I did not like the addition. No spoilers on this, but I did not like the addition of a particular character towards the end of the show. I thought it was a bit pandering to certain things. Yeah, I just, I wasn't taken by it. Okay, I mean, I bear in mind that there was a moment where we both gasped out loud a couple of episodes from the end. Yeah, and I gasped out loud because it was such a moment, but also that's what lost it for me. Okay, interesting. So sometimes things that are just, yeah. you know, that you get shocked by, you kind of go, oh, mm. oh no. For me, it worked. I would have changed the ending if I could, but I didn't hate it as much as the absolute rest of the world must have been. <laughs> uh, but that's why it's number 10. Um, yeah, it's on Sky Atlantic. I would recommend people check it out, although the rest of the world, I seem to be pushing up against a rock on that. Yeah, and interestingly, it, it's a surprise to me that that's on your list because when I've been looking through the list of the year, that hasn't been appearing on anyone's list either. Fair enough. Are you together? Strangers on a train. 
but I bet I can tell you why she's traveling. You see this one very strong line here? That is your heart line, mm -hmm. and that is deep. There's a break in the middle. Is that why she looks so sad? I think that's probably just her resting face, but the big news is that she meets the guy again soon. My number 10 is Des. Do you remember me talking about Des? Yeah, yeah. It's the ITV crime drama, but based on the true uh, crime story, the murderer, the serial murderer, Dennis Nielsen, who... Lived with Daphne on Ramsey Street. You cannot make jokes like that about someone who has murdered a number of young men and boys. Fair enough. <laughs> That's you told off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a true story. It was Dennis Nielsen. You didn't have... The reason I'm sort of going back and I'm rolling my eyes and thinking here... The reason I'm asking you, do you remember me talking about Dez, was because at the time you said to me that you hadn't heard of Dennis Nielsen and I was really surprised because he's one of our biggest murderers. You know, he's, he's the most serial of serial killers. And I just don't follow the genre as closely as <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, I know you don't. But obviously there's a suggestion that he killed a lot more people than uh, he was uh, charged with and, and later found guilty of. Yes. This was a three-parter, but I would also say that it was a three-hander. You had David Tennant as Nielsen, absolutely chilling. But I think Tennant's most chilling performance, Tennant has a way of going into darkness. He does have a darker side to him. That You saw that sometimes in Doctor Who, funnily enough. You wouldn't expect it to be in there, but I think you could see darkness in his character. It's absolutely chilling, so I think all of the attention will be put on him. I think he'll probably be up for a number of awards this year for his performance as Dennis Nielsen. But what I will say is you've got Daniel Mays as the DCI that essentially puts away Dennis... I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Dennis Nielsen later on... <laughs> I know you're looking at Mike, me. Mike, it is for me. <laughs> yeah, but... It, yeah. Anyway, so he's the DCI, but also you've got Jason Watkins as well as Nielsen's biographer, who was very conflicted. I think his name was Brian. So you've got this three-hander, and the three of them together, I think, are just absolutely wonderful. It's not a fun watch. It's not something I want to go back and see again, but it stayed with me. And the drama itself, it wasn't something that I expected to be on ITV. don't want to diss ITV, but it was something that I would probably expect to see on maybe a BBC two or a bbc four maybe a channel four, you know it, it wasn't your typical itv fair but i really i was quite it was gripping gripping electrifying chilling if you like your true crime and your dramas then this is absolutely up your street although big warning that it is incredibly gruesome did you kill these men how many people did you kill in melrose avenue did you kill Kenneth Ockenden? If I hadn't wanted you to, you wouldn't have found me. So why would I lie to you now? Look at the facts. I've been convicted of no crimes as of yet, therefore I am innocent until proven guilty. At number nine mm -hmm. is something you won't watch, <laughs> which is The Boys. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> that then. When this hits its heights, and yeah. this is probably once an episode, maybe twice, this is unlike anything else on TV. I think the problem with the boys, as I said in the review, is that they try and give characters that I don't care about backstories. And I cared about them a little bit more this season, but still, I want them to go back to Homelander. I want them to go back to uh, Queen Maeve. I want them to go back to Huey. And I want them to go back to Starlight. I mean, you're saying all these names to me. Mm. They sound like My Little Ponies. 
but the superheroes <laughs> that's the point um the addition this season of stormfront as a stormfront yes Stormfront. Yes. Wow, they do have a way with words, don't they? Well, Stormfront was... Uh, no, I can't give any spoilers, can I? No, you can't. Stormfront... Is it something to do with weather? She, she controls weather. Oh, like Storm from the X-Men. Well, yeah, but it's a parody of that. Like, you know, Stormfront. they... Stormfront. <laughs> they, they, they have an episode where they're filming a movie, Dawn of the Seven... Okay. It's it's meant to be tongue in cheek, um, and that's the point, you know. Like, but that is a far more interesting character than just a rip off of Storm. Well, Storm's gives. quite boring, at least in the films. Yeah, not yeah. necessarily in the comics, yeah. but in the film, she's been not well treated. Um, I can't wait for the third season. Um, this continues to do things with people's heads exploding and people being ripped in, in two. That nothing else does on telly. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it's got it looks like a Marvel movie, but a lot more gruesome. Listen, this is a fucking mess. We're the most wanted heads in the country. We got soup terrorists, and we got no superheroes. Hi, I'm Stormfront. Who? I'm the new girl. Wonderful. Oh, God! Well, speaking of Marvel and things of that ilk, my number nine is The Mandalorian. We need to move on. (laughs) That's why I was hesitating, because I was thinking, oh, actually, I think we're going to come back to this. So, yes, yes, we'll come back to that later. Mm. My number eight Mm. is I May Destroy You. Which seems to be getting to the top of most people's lists actually yeah i think it's pretty fair to say this didn't hit me as much as it hit most people um i think this was a brilliant piece of work i didn't see i've seen people refer to it as one of the greatest tv shows of all time absolutely and for me it's not quite up there the ending i respect what they did with the ending but it wasn't for me but as a tv show made by a young British creative who is exploring exploring consent, exploring social media, exploring basically the whole of the modern world and things that really affect youngsters today. And I say that as a 40-year-old <laughs> sounding like an 80-year-old. <laughs> um, this opened my eyes to so many things. It moved me. This is a brilliant piece of work, and I really do need to go back and see Michaela Cole's other piece of work because it's really a, it's the first thing I've seen her in properly, aside from I think she's in one of the Black Mirrors. Yeah, um, yeah, she's I think she's in two actually. I think she's a character in two of the Black Mirrors. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, um, this was brilliant, and for a more detailed explanation, see literally any other top ten list of TV this year. Yeah, absolutely, and it won't appear on my top ten because the issues that it covered were just too close to home for me this year. It wasn't something that I felt that I could watch. Um, it just it would be too triggering for me at the moment. But I think as time goes on, yeah, I I will maybe you know come back and revisit it in, in better better times. Fair enough. Oh, where'd you get that? Can't remember. Listen to the sound and I followed the beats again. All white walls, I see all white walls. I just smashed your phone. I don't know. How did last night end? 
My number eight is The Outsider. We can talk about it. Can we? We absolutely can. Lovely. So, The Outsider premiered on HBO back in January. And I'm saying that because The Outsider nearly didn't make it onto my list because I completely forgot that we had seen it. I think it was buzzing away in the back of my mind, but I kind of thought it was maybe a 2019. Mm. But yeah, it was January. It was in contention for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's in my long list. It'd be in my top 15, 20. I had issues with it that you didn't based on... I think, again, this is one of the things with one of the best pilots I've seen. I think there's probably three shows this year with absolutely amazing pilots. And didn't Jason Bateman, you'll have to remind me, because he's a star of The Outsider, but didn't he direct the pilot? Yes, he did. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah. I think he directed a couple of episodes, didn't he? Yeah. So I loved Jason Bateman in it. I thought Cynthia Erivo was fabulous. I hadn't seen her in anything else. I know she's Mm. in lots of other things, like Harriet, that she was getting plaudits for. I think she's she's a beautiful singer. Um, She's someone who was going to get sort of Emmys, Grammys. She's going for the EGOT. All of that sort of stuff. She's in line for it at some point, yeah. So she's amazing, and, and I was really intrigued by her performance. I thought it was the best thing that Ben Mendelsohn had done since Bloodline, which is a Netflix show that I started watching in 2015, 2016, I think, when it came out in. That's where I saw Ben Mendelsohn. Since then, I think he's made some rather interesting choices in terms of his acting career. And he sort of pops up as a baddie, and it tends to be a bit one note. This was back to the Ben Mendelsohn that I knew. Yes, it had problems. I know it did. You know, strange creatures in hoodies. Is it... Uh, horror is it a drama you know there was a lot it's obviously it's a Stephen King book of the same name The Outsider so it's Mm. an adaptation of that I didn't mind where it went I thought there were some beautiful moments about grief and death which probably in January of this year would have been very meaningful to me absolutely so it's really stood out to me in terms of of those sorts of topics and those sorts of themes, and that's why it stayed with me. Who was it who rocked up at the end of that? For the last two episodes? Oh, um, Paddy Considine. No, Paddy Considine was in all the way through. Right. Someone played his brother. Yes, yes. Who is it? (laughs) We've tried to make notes so we didn't look stuff up. (laughs) uh, We didn't have this one, Save your job on the editing. Yeah. Uh, Let's have a look. Is he is he a Brit? Yes. Yeah, Max Beasley. Max Beasley. There we go. Oh, we didn't have to look it up. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. Is that the the thing that you really remember about the show? Is Max Beasley rocks up at the end? Yeah, because it's nice seeing Max Beasley again. Mm, absolutely. On March thirtieth, two thousand nineteen, did you abduct Frankie Peterson? No. On March thirtieth, two thousand nineteen, did you murder Frankie Peterson? I didn't kill that kid, Ralph. My number seven, we on seven, is Save Me Two. And we'll be coming back to that later. Okay. My number seven, I don't think this will be on your list because I don't think you've seen it, even though I keep telling you to watch it, is The Salisbury Poisonings. No, not seen it. So this was a BBC drama portraying the 2018 Novichok poisonings. It's amazing. only happened a couple of years ago. The thing I like most about this drama is that it wasn't sensational. It looked really at the people involved, from the emergency workers, from the police 
the police officers that went into people's homes where they didn't know that there was you know a, a poison a, a toxic poison a, um, a nerve agent in that home and how it affected them how it affected their family the long-lasting effects very sadly this is a this is obviously a, it's a real life based on real life there's a um, there was a death so someone died as a result of the poisoning but it didn't sensationalize it i think it could have gone will will this sound like a bit of a negative thing if i say it didn't go chernobyl and i don't mean that badly against chernobyl but chernobyl was so big and so bold and really hit you over the head whereas this was quiet and calmer and it was you know introspective and just looking at people in their day-to-day lives and how how it affected them I've got a quote from Lucy Mangan who wrote in the Guardian at the time she's got this great quote and I just wanted to it really summed up everything I wanted to say that I but I'm not articulate enough to say it and she said instead of hysteria and frantic drama with a capital D in the face of an unknown contagion it shows the disbelief giving way to hard acceptance the sense of ordinary life suddenly intruded upon and a new normal mandated doesn't that remind you of something that's happened more <laughs> recently? So I think, yeah, the Salisbury poisoning is an excellent portrayal of what happened in 2018 and the subsequent events. But I think it's also something for our time now. It is still available on the iPlayer. I think it's there for another five months when I looked it up this morning. I'd really implore anyone to go and have a look at it. It is not the BBC drama that you think it's going to be. I thought it was a beautiful piece of television. The people who took ill are Sergei and Yulia Skripal. Sergei was a high-level MI6 agent. So what do we think it is? We don't know yet. Novichok. It's one of the deadliest synthetic substances on Earth. Do not go in that house, repeat. Do not go in that house. Our job is to keep the people of Salisbury safe. Is it going to be okay? <laughs> I don't know. Is Salisbury safe? Yeah. I don't think I can do this, Ted. This is just too big. You're going to see this through, and so am I, no matter what it takes. Scrapel was a Russian spy. These are an innocent man and woman fighting for their lives. You and your family are now at the center of an international incident. We don't know the source of contamination or have an established chain of events. All we do know is that for the people in Salisbury, we are their only line of defense. I get the feeling I'm going to be skipping the next one as well. Okay. My number six is There She Goes. We'll be coming back to that shortly. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not quite sure my number six is going to be on your list. My number six is season four of The Crown. Absolutely not on my list. Not on your list, yeah. I can see from looking at your face. So we've recently talked about The Crown on the podcast, so I'll not spend too long on it. I wasn't a big fan of season three. There was a beautiful piece of work concentrating on the Aberfan disaster. So that really stands out to me as season three. Season four has more of a lightness of touch, I think, even though it covers issues like eating disorders, like marriage failure, you know, people being really, really unhappy quite a lot of the time. Mm. But it, it really just was much more consistent. I think the addition of Thatcher with Gillian Anderson playing Thatcher, going head-to-head with Olivia Coleman as the Queen, 
was really, really interesting. And there were a lot of things that I learned. I know it's had a lot of problems and a lot of things in the press, even with the culture secretary saying, oh, we should say it's a drama. I know it's a drama, but there are things that it taught me that I've gone, I've gone away, I've done my research and I've looked up and I've gone, all oh, right, that's, given, that's educated me in, in that particular period of history. Not saying that everything on there is right or is true. I really enjoyed it. I thought it's so lavish. It's... It, I just wanted to consume it and consume it. And actually, even this time round, I've never been a fan of Helena Bonham Carter as Princess Margaret, but she's really grown into the role, realised that, like, Helena Bonham Carter's a brilliant actress, and me going, oh, she's grown into the role sounds a bit ridiculous coming from me. But I hadn't quite got there with her earlier on in the earlier series. This time round, I think she portrays the loneliness, the isolation absolutely beautifully and there are some stunning scenes of her you know fight trying to find happiness in sort of partying and being around other people that there's the use of alcohol um which doesn't necessarily end particularly well and there are some really fantastic scenes with her looking into the history of her family let's just say so really really worked mm. for me this time around i am looking forward to the next series absolutely and my mum loves it as well apparently yes <laughs> I'm still not even broken so ground please. on this show. I love the fact that your mum and dad had actually overtaken me in watching the episodes as well as I've gone on about it for such a long time. And then I was like consuming them really quickly and but they had uh, passed me. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were they'd finished before me. Brilliant. <sighs> Britain's first woman prime minister, a conviction politician, who's made no secret of the fact she believes the country has to change from top to bottom going to the palace, presumably to tell her queen exactly that. Do my number five? Yes, please. And this is one I can actually talk about, which is <laughs> nice. Afterlife. Right, not on my list because I didn't see it. One hundred percent problematic in places. Ricky Gervais is somewhat of a marmite presence. I don't think you will live your life without knowing exactly what his opinions and policies and uh, politics are. And that's fine. I think at times he can be a dickhead, at times he can be cruel, and that does play into this. And it's almost like dealing with a loss gives him an excuse to be the prick that he sometimes feels he can't, he wants to be. But very few things spoke to me as someone who has had a loss uh, this year. Um, Ricky Gervais is fine in it. Tom Basden as Basden as Matt is fine in it. Dennis Pennis? What's his name? <laughs> Dennis Pennis is was oh, the worst thing in it this year. I can't remember that. I want to say it's something like Paul. We talked about him the other night. We did. Because he like, was the lead yeah. singer in the warm jets at one point. <laughs> Paul K. That's it, yes! Got the Paul. So apologies if you're listening, Paul. Yeah. I don't I, I think he had bad material to work with. But he was just really annoying all season. 
But the work of Kerry Godleyman as Lisa appearing in flashbacks and just amazing in these videos with Ricky Gervais and the chemistry between them is so authentic. They really feel like people that you want to spend time with and it's so it it kind of makes you sad that she's dead because Ricky Gervais is a bit bit of a prick (laughs) after this it's like here's what you've become um and Penelope Wilton as Anne um who plays kind of the person on the grave next to Lisa's that Ricky Mm -hmm. Gervais goes and visits and she's visiting her, her late husband and she brings a conscience to it she's so funny and she's so heartwarming like I think I said at the time I really want to go back and see some old Penelope Wilton stuff just because she has charmed me throughout this and I just I had somewhat growing up I just thought of her as a bit of a British sitcom and she was a borrower person. so was Beverly Callard's daughter I mean I'm not <laughs> gonna, yeah um but yeah I love this show um I appreciate it's not for everyone but this speaks to me about grief in a way that very few other things do. When Lisa was dying, I tried to be brave and put a, you know, a face on to be positive. And even then, I'd break down sometimes and she'd have to comfort me. I couldn't even give her that. When she was dying, she was still on duty, looking after me. She'd have loved that. I don't know. I do. Because I'm a woman too. And it's better to be needed. (laughs) Be strong. Everybody's struggling. It's not always their fault. And so my number five is something that you've already already spoken about, so we can talk about it both now. My number five is There She Goes. Good, good. I think that's the right position for it. Yeah. <laughs> I approve of your positioning. <laughs> is that it? I don't that, approve of some of your positioning. Spoilers for later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think this is a very personal choice for both of us, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. As parents of a child with who is developing additional needs this kind of makes me feel not alone Mm -hmm. it this makes me feel that there are other people in our situation yes it's perfect and it also makes me feel better when i'm having an awful day (laughs) thinking what i hate my life yeah how did we get in this situation why us what have we done yeah absolutely um, Guilt, shaking, frustration, shaking my fist at the sky. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Other people do that. It's perfectly normal. I think it's made me a better dad, and mm. I can't speak any more highly about that. Um, as we've been doing this list, it's gone up. It went up my list a couple of places just rearranging it because I thought, no, nah, it can't be that low. Yeah, and I think it's series one was such. It was so close to our hearts that yeah. you you worry a little bit for series two, don't you? Yes. And when series two came on, it was just and it sounds like hit after hit each episode of it, but yeah. it was just amazing. And the one episode that really stands out for me is where Jessica Hines as the the mum mm. is listing all of the additional support services that her daughter has. Yeah. And I could tick off 
every single one of what she said. I had mm. never heard anyone talk about portage before. Yeah. I'd never heard anyone talk about occupational therapy apart from in terms of like work context. Mm. No one had ever spoken to me about that in terms of a baby or a small child. There were also scenes in terms of nursery and in terms of schools, which is something that we're having to think about at the moment. And even now when we're, when we're thinking about those things, I still refer back to what David Tennant did in that school. Oh, it's like that school on that... And it really does give you a sense of, oh, other people are totally in this situation. Mm. Might be, you know, very different circumstances, but we're kind of all in that bubble together, yeah. trying to work our way through. I could name, um, that, that's a brilliant episode. There's about four other episodes, which yeah. I could also name that, I mean, there's some lighthearted ones like The Holiday and things like that. But then there's also the one where they are uh, waiting for a care worker to arrive and... Oh, I'm I'm well yeah. enough just thinking about it. It's yeah. such a lovely show done with so it like it's it's so nice. And <laughs> the next door neighbour who always catches David Tennant in the wrong moment and, and oh, is trying to do the right thing yes. and sometimes doesn't. Yes. But is really trying and is trying to say the right thing. So he's like te- teaching David Tennant to use the term learning disability yeah. rather than some of the other terms that he wants <laughs> to use for his daughter. Yeah. And it's just it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. But but not sad. I was about to say sad. It's not sad. It's it's poignant. I think it's absolutely the opposite of sad. It, yeah. it doesn't play on. It doesn't play for sympathy or anything like that. It just plays real. Yeah. Go. Come on, mate. That's a good idea. Yeah. Oh. All right, mate. All right, mate. All good. Yeah. yeah. Nice day for it. Yeah. That's what Pepper does. Because we don't have the right shoes for that, do we? We need wellies to run in puddles. But why is Rosie allowed to do it then? Because Rosie's special. I mean, you're special too, but... I mean, she's mentally handicapped. She's learning disabled. What's what I said wrong? Well, you know... I just mean, you know that bit of the dragon pit where the hound opens the crate and the crazed zombie runs at Cersei? Ah! 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 Game of Thrones. Oh, we don't watch that. So, my number four. I'm wondering whether... Because I'm looking at... Uh, you, we haven't got many slots left. No, I know. And there's a lot of things that have been referred on this. <laughs> okay. I'm wondering whether this is on your list. Okay. My number four is sex education. Uh, it's not on my list. Wow! Yeah, I thought about it, but I couldn't really remember what happened in this latest series. Yeah, it just didn't stand out to me. And I had so much else to go on, I found it difficult to find the space. That's fair enough. Probably would have been on a long list. Okay, okay. I thought this this series was better than the first. Okay. Uh, I think there was more things for the surrounding cast to do. Otis was almost in the background from for a lot of it. Um, Eric had such a great journey this season. Maeve, um, Maeve's friendship that she made with her neighbour, really, really beautiful. Adam was a little bit pushed off to the side. Yeah, yeah, because, well, he was off doing different things, wasn't he? And yeah. And then sort of popped back in again. Mm. But his relationship with his dad uh, is so lovely. I'm still not sure that I care about Jackson that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Ola and Lily, 
had a nice storyline. For me, the storyline of the year was Amy's. And I think Amy was underserved in the first season. I kind of feel sorry for her because season one, episode one, starts with what is a quite gratuitous topless shot. Mm. And that's not representative of what this show is, despite the name. And I feel Amy kind of took one for the team there because she had nothing to do for the rest of the season. But this season, they give us such a strong storyline and the episode where they defeat her demons is one of the strongest storylines I've seen all year. Really, like, lumping the throat moments. I love this show, and I think the new series is coming out really soon. Oh, is it? Yeah. I have seen some stills of Gillian Anderson, actually, so, yeah. I'm not sure where that's going to end up. No, I'm not. I think that's maybe the the plot plot device at the end didn't particularly work for me and I think that's going to carry on into season three. Mm. I'm not sure we needed a season three. I would have preferred it to have ended after the second series. I'm worried that it's There are things that they need to finish off. There are Mm. storylines that need to Mm. Okay. Okay. Sir, can I go to the toilet please? Can't it wait, Melbourne? It's almost the end of the day. No. Sir, I I have hemorrhoids. Yes, I feel your pain. <laughs> Hemorrhoid club. So your number four. My number four is something that I've talked about very recently on the podcast. It's the Danish crime thriller DNA. Okay. Which I absolutely loved that I consumed in a weekend watching it on my phone. Do you remember I just constantly had it on, on the iPlayer? I, yes, I remember and, it well. I remember yeah, every time I was allowed to speak for a... <laughs> cooked something I just had it there every time I went upstairs every time I went to the loo you know it's like taking my phone with me and grabbing like five minutes to watch this thing it was absolutely wonderful it really didn't get the attention that it that it should have done it in my book you know it's probably a combination of people thinking oh another Nordic noir and there's been so many now and some of them have not been as good as the originals like The Killing and The Bridge for example so I think some people kind of go all right it's another one it's going to be sort of you know Nordic noir by numbers maybe when we sort of like ship out I don't know Midsummer Murders to (laughs) other countries after putting Broadchurch out there you know I don't know with that sort of thing whether they're just shipping everything back over to us now um, and we're kind of getting a, a mix, mixed bag and maybe everyone's getting a bit sick. But I really, really loved the, this show. It was so detailed in the plotting. There were some real <gasps> moments, you know, that I did not see coming. Really, really beautifully done. Acting was superb. The storyline was challenging. It was actually very challenging for me. It involved children. Some of the things that I had to fast forward. There was a, as as is always the case in life, uh, there was a set of twins partway through mm. a of newborn twins that I really had to roll my eyes and go, oh, there we go. That's my sort of twins for the week sort of uh, thing coming in. So, you know, there were things in there that are really challenging. I think I said at the time in the review that if you had had any loss around children, that this probably wasn't the show for you at this point in time. Now, I'm saying that as someone who has had a loss in that circumstance, but I still really, really got behind this show. It's got some fantastic acting. And I don't think I mentioned on the review that uh, 
Charlotte Rampling was in the show. So it's really international in terms of the, the actors, the performances, where they go, they go all over the world. It's fabulous. And it absolutely deserves to be at my number four. I, I really am, I think it's such a shame it didn't get the attention that it deserved. Who does she look more like? Your daughter. Send her to Danish police deserve a second chance. What does a baby cost? We don't sell children. Stop. Stop right there. My number three is The Mandalorian. So The Mandalorian, what was my... It did come, it did come in, didn't it? It was number nine for me, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. This, <laughs> this has made me care about Star Wars again. After a... When was The Phantom Menace out? 99, was it? Yeah. So t- after a 21-year yeah. break... I was at uni. I had I've, a poster. I've, really? Yeah, I did. You know, the one of Darth Vader with the little Anakin. Anakin with a Darth yeah, Vader shadow. I mean. yeah, 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 yeah. I had that on my wall. Really? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Don't despair of me. I, 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 that's quite off-brand for you. Was it from a, like a university post? It sale? was, yeah. It was absolutely. Uh, I had, um, I had the Supergrass Supergrass album cover. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And X-rays. Prob- I think I had Pulp Fiction as well because you Obviously, know you've got you've yeah. to have that. Yeah. We've had two seasons of this this year, and. I don't know of a TV show like it. It is largely side quest of the week. Mm. It's very video game-esque in that Mando will find something to do that he has to do. He'll go down, someone will give him a mission in order to help him. So he'll go off, he'll do something, and he'll come back. Yeah, and then he gets something at the end, doesn't he, that moves on his quest. Yes. It is very much like watching someone play a video game. Yeah. But it is amazingly well made. Um, the they've got just the right amount of callbacks to original Star Wars, and obviously I I'm not like a huge Star Wars nerd, so I pick up maybe one in ten, yeah, and that is perfect for me. But the ones that I am aware of in the background certainly don't beat over the head with it. It's not like certain shows that you I can name where you are sat there and you, I'm like I've no idea who that is. Why why do I care about that? We need to talk about Baby Yoda. <laughs> Okay, I, I nearly said something there that might be a spoiler for people yes. who haven't seen The Mandalorian. So, okay, what what do you want to say about Baby Yoda? I still think he's one of the best TV characters of all time. <laughs> you took the piss out of me for this and named an episode after it. Yeah, I'm just, I just think maybe it's a bit too early. And also, he is just very cute. And I understand that. He's very cute. His movements are, are really... You know, you, you look at them and you just think, oh, and you feel all, oh, and cuddly and yeah. But I'm not entirely convinced he's the greatest character of, of all time. But well, he's become a phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. He's become yeah. literally a money printing machine for yes. Disney. You've got a I, Lego of him to build. Yes, I have. I can't <laughs> wait. I might start that this Giant. weekend. Yeah. His ears move up and down. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's moving. getting started this weekend. Um... <laughs> The, somehow, Pedro Pascal, in his portrayal of Mando, I don't understand how he does it. Without seeing any of his face, you mm. can tell exactly what his emotions are. Despite him not having any facial features or speaking much. Mm. And it might just be that it's just that old theatre playing for the back row. Oh, 
and I'm doing body motions there, which I realise is not the best thing on an audio medium. Timothy Oliphant rocked up this year, and there's been some really good people who've popped in cameos. And, yeah, and, and brought back up. brought back characters. Yeah, um, such as Bill Bear from the first season, mm. who had a really really good mission. Mm. Um, I I love this show. It made me think, should I watch the Clone Wars cartoon? Yeah, I mean, why not? Because I think you'll get more references. But there's a hell of a lot of, like, bump in between the... Yeah. Like, I mean, I think there's about seven series of the Clone Wars. Oh, really? And then Star Wars Rebels is about six I think you are up early every morning and you need something to watch, so, you know. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) That might fill in some time. Yeah. Um, This is worth the subscription Disney Plus alone for me. And if... I know people who are big Star Wars fans who haven't watched it because they just think, oh, there's Baby Yoda. And and I thought that before watching it. Yeah. But I think this is really phenomenal TV. Yeah, I remember conversations we've had where you said that you've had uh, discussions with people who said they just, they won't watch it. They've been burnt too much about, with previous Star Wars and it's just not for them. And I sometimes forget that this is actually a Star Wars production, mm. that it's anything to do with Star Wars. It kind of reminds me when, you know, at the beginning it shows you sort of, there's these flashes of R2-D2 and, uh, yeah, it's kind of like you know, the, like the, the Skywalker. It's kind of like the, the yeah. teaser reel that they have at the beginning of yeah. MCU. They've done one for, um, for the Star Wars universe. So I watch that and I go, oh yeah, it's kind of Star Wars, isn't it? Because it could, it could be outside of that universe. Because it's a Western, because it's your mission of the week. Hmm. But but it is, but it is Star Wars, and I do enjoy some of the references. Like you, I don't really really get them. But I do enjoy the references, and I, I like the idea of building on my understanding of, of what Star, Star Wars is. Having said that, I wasn't a massive fan of Series 1. I think in my review of Series 1, I said to you that I could kind of take it or leave it. Yeah. And if we got to the end of a particular episode and you said to me oh our Disney Plus subscription has stopped we're not going to watch it anymore I wouldn't necessarily be I wouldn't be sitting there going oh, I wish I could see episode 8 of The Mandalorian mm. that did not happen this time round I really enjoyed you know when you said to me because it's usually you that goes should we put an episode of The Mandalorian on yeah. and I really every single time I went yeah let's let's do it you know it's only sort of half an hour um, and really enjoyed getting to the to the end getting to the finale and listening to other people's mm. reviews of the finale so i'm now looking forward to the next series and it's so nice that it's released weekly mm. in that it, sometimes i think we would be less likely to watch it if it was just all there at once but it's just that nice little half an hour 40 minutes like bite-sized chunk that you get on a friday saturday or sunday and we watch it before we catch the spot before we catch wind of any spoilers and then we listen to the podcast on it and it's old-fashioned tv in that kind of way um i yeah more please um, although not as much as disney plus are gonna give us of all the yeah, tv too, shows too in the much. star wars universe yeah there's gonna be all sorts coming out isn't there Safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. 
the songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. On to my number three, and it's something that you've already talked about. It saved me too. Okay, I was wondering. I'm trying to work out what the. I, I, I can take an educated guess at what the other one, what one more in your uh, list is. Hang on a minute, we're still just at number okay. three. Let's concentrate on number three and not get too far ahead of ourselves. The longer this has gone on, for, away from this, I think Save Me Two is a brilliant TV show. I don't know if it was an improvement on the first series. I, I think it was on a par. I think both series were just excellent. I can't pick holes in them. I really can't. Looking back at series one, looking at series two, but series two went in a in a direction that I did not anticipate, and that's what really makes it high up on my list. That's why it's at number three for me. It took me, and grabbed me, and said, "Look over here," and then went over there, and I could not see things coming there i mean there definitely was a moment where we kind of looked at each other and go did that really just happen mm-hmm. and i heard you gasp yeah and yes yeah and i didn't expect i didn't expect it and i didn't expect it at that point mm-hmm. in the tv show um but it's also the characterization for me these people that we can we've come to love get frustrated with you know, all of those things where where you've got real people, and that's what Lenny's done with this show, <laughs> like I know him, yeah. but you know, that's what he's done. He's created people who I could completely imagine going into that pub, that really now well-known pub, yeah. going in and seeing those people, and I wouldn't be thinking, oh, they're actors acting. Those, to me, are real people now, and we get to know more about them, we get to know more about their backstory, about the, the events that have happened to them, things that have, you know, the traumas of their past, why they are the way they are. Mm. I just think it's a, it's an amazing, amazing show, put together, acted. There is nothing for me that is a is a criticism looking back i think there is a storyline that was somewhat filler and it's a new character this season and i understand why they did it but to me it was just a case of holding up the plot for things to happen later in the season um and give them give someone some conflict and decisions to make and i'm sure you can mm-hmm. probably figure out it didn't work for me in that way because it just kind of annoyed me. And there were points where I had to look away because it was that tense. But it wasn't look away in that I want to see what happens. It was look away and I wish they wouldn't do this. Um, I understand completely that wasn't the case for you. Um, I think everything worked for you. Mm-hmm. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, and Ed Edmondson as a baddie is just amazing. Like, he's an awful baddie. He's a terrible, terrible man. <laughs> but I love seeing people who you wouldn't necessarily put in those roles. Um, Ed Edmondson for me is, was brilliant. Leslie Manville was brilliant. I know, I was just about, I was going to start reeling off all the it like you are, mm. but I'm going to hold myself back because otherwise I'll have to say the whole cast. Okay. And you seem, seem to think you spotted something that would lean to a season three. Yes, I did. Which I've not seen anyone else mention. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we should really tweet that out and get some, yeah, get some views on the... Yeah. We should have done it back in the day and got I some know, views. I know, but then it felt like, you know, if, it, if I'd spotted it, if I was right, that it would 
yeah, that it would, you know, I don't want to like spoil it, but you know, I just, I want to see it play out and see what happens. I definitely saw it because we went back and we, free, yeah. we freeze framed it and I saw what I saw it was true, but no one else seemed to pick it up. Anyway, we'll see. If you spotted it, let us know. People don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> they will. They will if they've seen it. And they know and they know that the thing that, you know, yeah. Nothing one. Let us know. This is Gideon. Please leave a message. The item is mine to sell. I had a coffee with your wife today. What you know about Jody. That's all this has to be about. Grace, the kitty had chained. She's right under this. You only want me in there so you can get Jody. It ain't just that, and don't go on like that with me. You're unbelievable. I don't want Jody to be dead. She's not dead. She's not. This is not the end of it. Man number two. Yes. Uh, this is one that I believe you will have on your list. Mm-hmm. It's a case of whether it's your number two or your number one. Go on then. Or it might not be on at all, now I think about it. Ooh. My number two is normal people. My number two is normal people. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't think we'd <laughs> ever come to like a, a conclusion together. Right then. That's all we have to say about that then. Number one. <laughs> Absolute phenomenon, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it was amazing. I think this just dropped just as pe- the first lockdown was coming in yeah. or after a couple of weeks and everyone was sat in front of the iPlayer. Mm. All the episodes dropped at once and I think mm. that was a a godsend to them because mm. it just meant people could just sit there. It was half an hour long, which is perfect, perfect. for the story. Yeah. And then you've got the chemistry between Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Meskel. Paul Meskel's chain. <laughs> or something didn't they put it on like an auction site and didn't someone buy it for a ludicrous amount of money I, I don't know but I think it taps into I know we laugh about that but I think that thing is a ch- there, was, there would have been a lad at school that wore a chain oh yeah and you, you will remember that as you know as a young person you will remember that person that wore the chain and fancying them and I think that's what normal people really tapped into I never used you, to fancy the lad who wore the chain well I probably did so you know I'll put one out there for the team but a lot of the show was about looking back looking back at your school days, looking back at the early days of university, you're following those characters through this point in your life. What I loved about it was seeing how people changed over time, seeing how reactions to people changed. It was so true to life. So the people who she didn't necessarily get on with at school later on, they all kind of, you know, maybe they came up to her when they were later on in their 20s and maybe they'd, they'd grown up a bit and... Or the people that she met at university that, on the surface of it, were really good mates, but actually weren't really that good mates. And it took three years at university to kind of work out that they really were, didn't have her best interests at heart. So I'm, I'm talking in the her because that, I'm, I'm thinking of those things in my own life, of coming across people who maybe at first glance I thought were brilliant, a couple of years down the line kind of realised they weren't that good. People I maybe didn't get on with very much at school, but then, you know, maybe 10 years later, I meet them in the pub on a New Year's Eve or something like that, and actually realise they're pretty sound. And you were not just not mean any of these, no, are you? No, no, not at all. <laughs> but, you know, I'm really thinking about my own, my own personal experience. I think yeah. that's what normal people brought to the party, was that you could put yourself into those shoes. I think, obviously, Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Meskel have been 
lauded for their portrayals. But two people who really, really made the season at different points for me was Fiona Shea as Jamie mm. and Ooh. Frank Blake as Alan. <laughs> Who's Alan? Alan's Marianne's brother. Oh, boo. Yes. <laughs> because you really need them baddies in there. Yeah. And they would just, they played it perfect. Mm. And, I mean, they must have spent April and May getting egged in the street. Mm. Because they played it so perfectly. Yeah. The difference between this and certain other TV shows that you may name... The the sex scenes were really intimate, but not gratuitous. I was going to mention the sex scenes. Mm. I think that's probably the most realistic I have seen in terms of sex on television. Yeah. There was something different about those sex scenes. There was an authenticity. There was, like you say, an intimacy. A little awkwardness. Yeah, well, that's what I mean by yeah. the... Like the it, there was an, it was honest. Yeah. It was really honest. And yet... Without being titillating, mm. incredibly sensual, mm. and in many, I use the word erotic on the podcast, but it was at time there was a real eroticism to some of the the sex scenes without being, like I say, lascivious or showing too much or having a real male gaze on the on the on the performers. Yeah. And if you're the one person who's not seen this, it is all available on the iPlayer. So um, I'd really recommend people check it out if you haven't. So how do you know Gareth? Oh, classes together. You two are going out. Everyone seems to know him. Yeah, he's one of these campus celebrities. <laughs> He'd love that. I believe he's very active on multiple college committees. <laughs> <laughs> I've missed you. Yeah. Yeah, you too. I was, uh, was a bit worried when you left school and that. Uh, I was pretty down about it. Well, never hung out much during school hours. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> what about Rachel? You still together? How did you hear about that? Through your brother? Saw photos on Facebook. Uh, um, no, um, oh, we broke up actually. Oh. I'm now wondering what on earth your number one is. And there's part of me that thinks that it's the same number one as me. Come on, tell me, what is it? What's your number one? I'm surprised you don't know. Go on. My number one's Better Call Saul. Wow. So that means that my number one is not on your list at all? It's not. Well, it can't be. No. Okay, right, you go. Yeah. Better Call Saul, as I have said all year is the best show on TV. And I find it amazing that there's so many people who loved and watched Breaking Bad still aren't on this. I mean, it, it's a very different show to Breaking Bad. It is, at times, a legal drama. It is, at times, a courtroom drama. Each season has been an improvement on the last. And if we are going to get a final sixth season this year, I am all in for this, because I need to know how these characters end up. You you know the premise of Better Call Saul, yeah, don't you? I, yes, you have spoken to me at yeah. length about it. It's a prequel. So it follows Jimmy, played by Bob Odenkirk, and Mike, played by Jonathan Banks, who we know from Breaking Bad, and we know how they end up. At the end of the series, we know exactly who they'll be working for and what they, what they do. The genius of this is that they bring in other characters who aren't in Breaking Bad, 
that they now have a season to work out how they end up. If Kim dies, I riot. <laughs> I think you've talked about Kim in your review, didn't you? Better Call Saul earlier on in the year. Well, Rhea Seahorn is an absolute phenomenon and how she didn't get an Emmy nomination. Yes, you mentioned her in our Emmy special as well, didn't you? I have no idea. She carries this show at times. She is such a good actress. Someone who was picked, like, she was... Before this, she was sort of second, third billing in romantic comedy TV shows. She is so good in this. You just want the best for her. And Michael Mando playing Nacho, he he, he can't keep up with... Kim, they don't play opposite each other, but he's the other person who we followed all the way through. He is sort of a first person um, storyline in the in the show. He is not in Breaking Bad. I need to know what happens to him. Not in the same way. I won't riot if Nan, if Nacho dies, but I will be really upset. Um, to bring in a big bad such as um, Lalo, as they did this season played by Tony Dalton and have him occupy, just own the screen every time he's on. You immediately get the threat of Lalo. You immediately get the danger of him. And he's like someone who like, he's like a ticking time bomb that can go off at any moment. Click my fingers there. I know. <laughs> um, this is an awesome show. And I am just about to start watching it from the beginning in preparation from the next oh series as well. Right. So that's why I can't. <laughs> that's why I can't watch Rebel Wars yet, or, um, or Clone, Wars. Clone Wars, or Rebels yet. Because um, I need to watch the whole of Better Call Saul. I wish you could see this. You would love this, and I think you could probably start off just at Better Call Saul. Sorry, I'm just yawning. <laughs> Don't mean to yawn at that point. But, but yeah. clearly, you're not interested because you just yawned in my face. Yeah, it just doesn't tempt me. It doesn't tempt me at all. I saw bits of Breaking Bad. That didn't tempt me either. Maybe it's become one of those things that everyone goes on about or you go on about and it just makes me not want to watch. A bit like The Boys. This is 100% your thing. The Boys is not. This is 100% your type of TV show. But then I've seen it in the background when you've had it on and I've just not been drawn to it. I don't think it's something you can background watch. I think this is completely character-based. And so you need to have that relationship with the characters and you need to be crying out to Kim to get out of this relationship. (laughs) Even though you like Jimmy, Kim needs to step away. I can't go back to being Jimmy McGill. That name is burned. This is a fresh start. This is how I move forward. And I like it. We all make our choices. And those choices, they put us on a road. Sometimes those choices seem small, but they put you on the road. You think about getting off, but eventually you're back on it. You know, Tuko told me about you. You're the guy with a mouth. You got something you can do for us. What have I gotten myself involved with here? You don't want to know. When you're in, you're in. Yeah, we got a legal problem. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Just for a minute there, I thought I was going to be swallowing condoms filled with heroin. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe later. <laughs> right, my top spot. I'm wondering what I've you forgotten. Just, you don't know what, what it is. I can't believe I thought this would be absolutely on your list. So my number one 
for completely personal reasons, it hasn't made anyone else's top tens at all because I've looked for it. But I'm this is what I'm bringing personally to my my top ten. My number one is Race Across the World season two. Okay, I mean it was on my long list. Um, I yeah, I I can completely understand that. I'm surprised it's your number one. Mm. It was between that and normal people. I was. Sort of, it was backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And now I'm looking back now, I can, like, we were firing off an episode of this a night. Um, mm. It was, at the end of the, it's a game show, and I felt it couldn't carry um, alongside the more narrative shows that we watch. And yet, as a game, you know, and I, I agree, it is, on the face of it, a game show. But for me, it was more of a, it was a story, it was a documentary, I was following these people. If you think about one of the pairs, which would be Sam and Joe, for example, let's just take them as an example. I don't want to spoil things for anyone who hasn't seen, but I mean, if you haven't seen Race Across the World, then please go back and listen to our, our review of it earlier on in, in the year. But for a short synopsis would be that a number of pairs of people of all different relationships, so brother and sister, mom and son, um, maybe a couple of estranged cousins uh, we yes. had this, this time round as well, will um, start off in one part of the world and they have to get to another part of the world via various stopping points. Mm. And they are all racing to get to that last position first. And if you get there first, you you win the show. That's the basic premise of the show. But this is so much more, so much more. And yes, the racing and the who's going to get there first and who's going to get there last, who gets stuck on a bus, who's missed the last boat, all of that absolutely comes into play. But it's the relationships between the people and the development. So just going back to Sam and Joe, the mother and son, Sam having additional needs, Joe being his mum who's obviously been there to support him all, all the way through his his life and you find out things that you you know really just absolutely sidelined us, didn't it? it made us totally cry. Just yeah. cry and cry and cry. You just get so invested in those relationships and people will get frustrated because they're cold and hungry and they're tired and they're sick of it and they want to go home but they also have these amazing adventures and seeing people like Sam and Joe who you know you do get tired but really coming through it and never losing you know patience with each other and I thought from a from a like my perspective as a mum of a, a child with additional needs Joe was a real role model for me in understanding you know having patience and trying to really support your child to do whatever they want to do and looking at life really positively and that's just taking one of the pairs I could take any of the others and I've been following them on Instagram <laughs> so there's been and so much fun so many fun things have come out of you know obviously now that series has ended and seeing yeah. what they've done seeing what they've done you know going back even from series one actually I've followed follow people mm. from series one and they've gone back and they've gone to these other places they've, they've travelled to other places because we've been indoors for such a long period of time it's made me want to get out and do new things. I think I said this at the time in the, my review. I've been indoors for a long time and you could you could really end up feeling like you can't go out. 
because you're an indoor person now, essentially, yeah. you could really get some real um, agoraphobia. And actually, this really opened my eyes to the outdoor world at a time that came absolutely on the, on the spot for me. Made me want to travel again. Made me want to see new things. Gave me a huge set, a huge boost. I was listening to Kermo today when I was out for a walk, and he was talking about his top films of of the year. I know this isn't the film film episode. No, this is TV. But he said something on that podcast that really stayed with me. And he was talking about one of the films, and he said, "Look, this may may not make anyone else's list, but I think that film." with film you bring yourself to the film and yeah. the film speaks to you in a certain way i think you can replace film with art and in this instance this is art this is art and culture for me this piece of art and culture this documentary this game show spoke to me and because of everything that i had going on in my life it became more important to me and the people became important to me and the places they were going became important to me and it's totally, totally a personal choice, but that's why it's my number one. I can totally understand it being your number one. Um, for me, we watched two series back to back, and for me, I think the people I identified with more was on season two, but I think the competition were, I identified more was on season one because season one was London, Singapore. It was largely through places that I was familiar with. Every episode, they seem to pass through a different culture, whereas on season two, it was South America. And there were small changes in culture, but it was largely just Latin America all the way through. They were had to be rescued at certain points in season two, which I understand why they had to do it, but ha- them having to be moved on to a different place somewhat tainted the competition for me. Really? I'm also st- I've got low level anxiety over whether Jen ever got her rucksack back that she dumped <laughs> in the middle of the road. Um, you can ask her; she's on Instagram. Yeah, I know. We've had she had a bit of back and when we yeah, yeah. when we when we posted about this, um, <laughs> some of the guys like commented and got in touch. And... Were, I, I mean, I was I was about to say we were very excited. I was very excited. It made my absolute month. I think for about four weeks, I just went on about it, like screenshotting it and sending it to people, going, "Look!" Do you remember look. us running downstairs? Like, did you <laughs> yeah. see what's happened? Did you, you see what's happened? Like, that? Yeah. So yeah. thanks, thanks everyone. If you're listening again, thanks everyone for um, for making a random couple in Newcastle really happy. I, I think this is an absolute genius program, and. I'm amazed that more people are talking about it. I'm just glad we did that BAFTA episode because so, so we yeah, um... and they've won loads of stuff recently as well. So every time there's been an award show, they've been because uh, I follow the um, follow the show on social media, and they have been up for loads of not been up for loads of gongs. They've been up mm. for they've been nominated. They've won. It's just really um, really exciting. And of course, series three, the application process opened in i think it was may this year because i saw that happen i really wanted to go for it but i'm confused as to how they're going to do i mean they, they surely they can't be doing that at the moment it has to be postponed doesn't it under the current circumstances well i mean unless you're going from one side of a tier four zone to another side of a <laughs> tier four zone exactly so yeah i think it's it's probably going to be something to um that we'll have to wait for so but that's you know all good things come to those who wait they are doing a celebrity edition as well. I saw recently. I'm not sure if I'm up for that. I really like having the ordinary people. That's what I think works for me. But I'll end up watching it. I know I will. I mean, this level of celebrity, isn't it? I mean, like, mm. it depends who you get. Like, yeah. there are certain people who will just 
be recognisable and therefore can get help. Man, you the you know. Yeah, of course I forgot about that. Yeah, you can use your celebrity to to. You know, I mean, you're much more likely to get help if you've got a camera with you and you are a well-known pop star, for example. Yes. Than you are with you know if you're just a I've person been, who hasn't had a shower for a week and. Uh, Having said that, you know, if you bump into Paul Merton at the Eurostar terminal, you can just get help. Yes, anywhere. that happened. Was that series one? That was series, series one. Two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where the so Eurostar fine. terminal in season no, two? No, they weren't. Going from Mexico You're to, right. to Argentina, You're right. that would be a <laughs> an unorthodox route to take. <laughs> Are you nervous? I am, but I don't admit it. Ten unlikely travellers cross 16 countries without the trappings of everyday life. Let's go! Fast, fast, fast. What have we got ourselves into? The rubber on my trainers are going to melt. I don't know if it's terrifying or fun. I can do it. You need a miracle to get out of here. Stabbing over with a gun. Put a camera down. This is no holiday. I'm out of the race. End up. Someone call an ambulance. It's the adventure of a lifetime. Shall we do it? Best mode of transport ever! It's like they're putting on a show just for us. We're the best view that I've ever seen in my life. Especially being me naked. Way better. Shows me that I could push myself further than I thought I could. Probably should have gone to the toilet before starting. Right, so that's it. That's our that's our top ten. Wow, that's really blown my mind a little bit, actually. I thought we'd We've got some together, but we've quite we quite diverse this year. Any just quickly that you were very mm. close that you wanted to talk about? So I did have a couple that nearly made it onto the list. One was Quiz, which was the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire drama, which yeah. we really enjoyed. We talked about that was one of the first things we reviewed on the podcast as well. So maybe I'm thinking about it in happy times because it was something that we we first started with, but yes. we really enjoyed it, and it was another one that we recommended to your mum and dad. Which again has like a personal personal touch to it. Yes, absolutely. So I really enjoyed Quiz, but it just didn't make it onto my list. I love Michael Sheen as Chris Tarrant. That was I still think that's <laughs> amazing. Um, Inside Number Nine, which would tend tends to be on my my long lists most year because I just think they're brilliant. But this time around, I couldn't really remember anything that particularly stood out for me. That would have been my number eleven. Mm. Um, I think the. <sighs> I think the Love's Great Adventure, which was um, it's the Christmas. It was a Christmas episode, and every year was like the next Christmas. It was yeah. an advent. Sorry, sorry, yeah. it was an advent calendar. Advent calendar. That's it. Yeah, I loved that. Yeah. I loved the one around the illusionists, mm. misdirection. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I really, really enjoyed most of all was the Thinking Out Loud with um, Maxine Peak. Do you? Do you remember which one? It was a video diary one. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, yeah. I remember. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you have to remind me. And I think because I needed reminding of it, yes. it just didn't quite make it onto the list. But always with Inside Number Nine. It's a brilliant, brilliant show. And then I had on my long list, you're going to laugh at this, but I was looking back at things we've reviewed throughout the course of the year. And one of the things that really stayed with me was Glow Up. You remember Glow Up? I absolutely love Glow Up. Yeah. What a I, surprise. I, I, and I made quite a snidey comment about Glow Up early on in the, the run, and I was incredibly proud of myself. And then I was absolutely drawn in by it. Because uh, on the face of it, it's another great British something or other, isn't it? It's another pottery throwdown, it's another sewing bait, but it's just makeup. But what, what a show, again, 
diverse range of mostly young people in this, I have to say. There's hardly anyone who's, I think, over the age of 30 in it. But real diverse, diverse range of people from across the UK who are wanting to make it in the makeup business. And there was a really interesting episode, an episode we really got behind where one of the makeup artists, these are amateur makeup artists, got to work with an incredibly famous photographer. Again, I'm not going to... I'm not going to spoil it in case people want to go out and watch the uh, watch that that series. And I know, um, it. I remember your cousin in Australia wanted to see it when she heard we were we were reviewing it. Yes. And it hadn't yet made it to Australia, so I'm keeping you know keeping it back just in case. Uh, hopefully, it makes it over there shortly. But yeah, there was one episode where one of the makeup artists worked with a really famous photographer and they did so well. The photographer invited them back to come and work. And these are opportunities that you just think, oh, that is amazing. From from a career perspective, this is something that can really push people forward in their career. And that's what I like about the show. It's not just, oh, I've made something and it'll sit on a shelf and then we'll forget about it. This really has an impact on young people and their professional lives. That's what I like about it. So, yeah, that would have been on my long list. I like Eve. I know you do. <laughs> Eve was my favourite. Eve was definitely your favourite, yes. Um, the she only was one, excellent. The only one for me would be Devs. Oh, Devs. Which I oh, think was bleh. a more laudable attempt than a enjoyable attempt. I hated it. <sighs> I hated every second of it. It was so well made. It was so interesting and it was... Don't pull that face. It just did nothing for me. And I really like Alex Garland's stuff. And, you know, I like all the films. And But I could not get away with this whatsoever. I can completely understand that some people absolutely loved it. I can mm. see it's really polarising as a show. It it had some really interesting ideas. It had some really interesting effects. But I just... It, it was a painful watch for me. I pain watched it. You know, that thing where you just, you're watching it, but you're hating every minute of it. And then at the end, I didn't even, I read what the final couple of episodes were and I rolled my eyes and I thought no more of it. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I liked it. It's still an iPlayer. Yeah, it's still an iPlayer. I think that's it. Yeah, that is it. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year. And I think we went over this a bit in our films podcast, but just want to thank everyone for listening throughout the year. We we cannot believe, I mean, we're, t- we're talking about like your cousin in Australia, but we've got people in Australia actually listening that's not your cousin. Well, do you remember the first time we had someone in a country that couldn't possibly be someone that we knew? Yes. And I ran downstairs and I'm like, we've had a listener in the Philippines. Yes. I'm sure they clicked on it by mistake. Oh, obviously. But um, yeah. Uh... But, like, looking at our li- like, we've got like the re- we've got listeners in America, Romania, Brazil, Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. The the list Japan, the list goes on, and we're we're completely overwhelmed. So if you are anyone listening in the these countries, hello, and um, yeah, thanks very much for joining us. We we cannot believe it. We look at our statistics because we're proper geeks and we love looking at all the analytics and sort of seeing what brings people to the podcast as well. Yeah. And we we cannot believe it. Most of the, we're just looking at it going, these cannot be 
you know, this can't be real. This has to be made up. Um, so just, yeah, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us on this journey. When we started this at the sort of the beginning of the year, it was March time, wasn't it? It was really something to help us through in terms of the loss that we had suffered and the sort of the new world that we found ourselves in, as well as ensuring that our very close friends and family kind of knew we were all right because we would sort of put it out yeah. and maybe a few people that we knew like cousins I will mention them again mm. um and other other people would sort of listen and and just sort of oh yeah there they are talking rubbish to each other they're fine sort of thing but it's grown obviously beyond our imagination we couldn't believe it when we got in the guardian so that was like a, a starting point but from even you know beyond that as well other people have found us that didn't even know that we were um in the paper it's just yeah it's been a brilliant brilliant thing for us personally and we're just so chuffed to have everyone along on the journey with us as we talk random rubbish about tv and film that we like dislike roll our eyes at can't really remember all of those things so yeah thanks so much and i think a lot of people have recently you know it's saying oh happy new year and, and being all excited is probably not the right thing to do this year so i'll probably just say you know i hope you have a better better year this year hope it's a better 2021 it it would struggle to be worse yes <laughs> yeah but let's not tempt fate no yes absolutely um we'd really appreciate if you could give us a follow on the honeymoon pod on twitter and instagram we're trying to keep that interesting yeah put on there mark's been putting some really interesting i'm going to say interesting and inverted commas things well i went for a sleep this afternoon mark started putting all the films that i said that i hadn't seen on our twitter account just wanted to prove a point (laughs) you're doing the same to me yeah so if you want to see mark tweeting things that i don't know are existing then, you know, head to our Twitter account. But also our Instagram has... Um, or every episode goes up on our, our Instagram as well. Also, I never mentioned this, but if you want to follow me on Letterboxd... Oh, yeah! All the random films that Elaine rolls her eyes at that I watch, I record on Letterboxd. So, The Honeymoon Pod on there. I put star ratings for every single film that, I've, that I watch on there. And we'll be back very shortly with a new episode new episode um i think we probably need to do a proper thing about all the stuff we've been watching over christmas mm, yeah and i think on the horizon now there is light at the end of the tunnel and that is wonder woman 1984 it's coming it's coming it's coming we're going to spend 20 quid on it when it comes out <laughs> or are, how yeah. much it may cost spend well, our christmas money yes yeah, spend, spend our christmas money yeah yeah um so that'll be coming soon please drop us a like on Twitter and Instagram. Get in touch. Just drop a, you know, tell us what you've been watching that you really like. Tell us what your favourite film and TV uh, are from the last year. And if you've got a friend that listens to podcasts and likes films and TV, please just give them our, give them. Give them our details. Yes. Yeah. I was like, give them our number. No, (laughs) don't do that. Give them our details because we really do enjoy chatting away with people and we've had more people as the year's gone on like really speaking to us about their favourite films and TV and, and telling us when we're wrong. And uh, so, yeah, join in on telling us we're wrong. (laughs) Anyway, until next time. See you soon. See you soon.